And we are back here on Unusual Sources 93.3 CFMUFM. Actually, <laughs> just like I said at the beginning of the program, we are at our very brand new website, which is cfmu.ca. We're broadcasting live to the whole world via the online podcasting service at cfmu.ca. Brand new. All our podcasts are up there now, too. Everything is all brand new, uh, like we said at the intro. So uh, check that out because it's this awesome new uh, CFMU website. But I think we're joined on the line now by Montreal-based publisher Robin Philpot. Robin, are you with us? Yes. Uh, hi, Brendan. Oh, it's very good to hear from you. Uh, Robin, thanks for making time on the program. Um, I know you've got a busy publishing schedule. There's there's so much happening with Baraka Books. I've gotten books in the mail. I've seen announcements, upcoming books. I, I can't even keep track anymore. You know, before we go into the whole Stephen Gowans thing, mm-hmm. why don't you tell us, you know, what have you been publishing this year and at the end of last year? Well, um, the in the more political books we we don't have just political books but we do have but but we 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 try to have political and historic books as well um in the fall last year we published <coughs> uh, songs upon the rivers the buried history of the uh, canadian metis in across north america and it's a a big book um which goes back to the sources and it just retells the story of north american history and it's it's a book that's really Three authors. Uh, one is a Métis a guy. One is a, a, a guy from Franco-Alberta, and another guy is an American from Seattle. And uh, they they cover this history, which basically uh, people are unaware of. You know that to what point the the French and the Métis had been across the continent um, and had created this, and and they intermarried and created uh, peoples that are. Scattered. I mean, just as there's all these French names all across the continent, well, each one of these places, there are peoples. Then we published in the fall what's called the Prophetic Anti-Gallic Letters. And this, it's, a, it's an important book, which was written um, in 1836. And if your listeners are know anything about Canadian history, they'll remember 1837 was the, the revolt in Upper and Lower Canada for... Uh, basically Republican principles against the monarchy and against the British colonial authorities. Um, and and, and the, the leading newspaper in in Canada at the time, in, in Montreal, was the Montreal Herald, and the, and the editor-in-chief was a guy named Adam Tom. And so he wrote these letters, which he called the Anti-Gallic Letters, and it was published in book form, where it was just absolutely scurrilous. It, it, if you heard the, there's both this story of Andrew Potter, who wrote this, article about Quebec were just absolutely, um, you know, uh, contemptuous of everything that is in Quebec. Well, that's, the tradition started with, uh, among other things, with uh, this, this book, The Prophetic Anti-Gallic Letters, which the Anti-Gallic Letters were never republished, yet the man was a very important man. He was co-author of the Durham Report, and that's the foundations of, of Canada. So those are, are, are two history books. We're putting out another one shortly. It's going to be Montreal City of Secrets, and it's the the story, an unknown story, about the Montreal, uh, largely Anglo-British elite here and their alliance with the Confederate States during the Civil War. And all these actions, you know, John Wilkes Booth, the man who assassinated Lincoln, was in and out of Montreal regularly, and this is where the the plan to kidnap him and to assassinate him was was established 
hatched and developed was in Montreal. This is unknown, so this book will be coming out in the fall. So uh, these are some of the books. We also have some fiction, Quebec fiction in translation, but um, so it's it's it, 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 it keeps us busy. Let's say. And, <laughs> no. And, I... but, so the big the the big book which we're really excited about is and is and I hope that your readers will get it. It's Stephen Gowan's, I would say, seminal work on uh, the war on Syria. It's called Washington's Long War on Syria, and I know Stephen Gowan's has sometimes been in, in um, been invited to uh, your your program. I think that's right. Yeah. So it, this book is, will be out in about two weeks. Um, you can already pre-order it, and it's 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 um, sparking interest all over the world. Uh, just to give you an example, there will be a Chinese edition coming out from a Taiwan publisher that they got in touch with. They heard about Gowan's work, and they wanted to publish it. There's a Swedish publisher that is studying it and wants to bring out a Swedish edition. Turkish publisher as well. And Egyptian and Indonesian publishers are looking into it as well. So it, it, people realize that he struck a chord in understanding uh, what this war is all about. Well, um, Gallens has a very popular international audience. You know, whenever we uh, interview him and put it on a podcast, it gets huge amount of hits and likes. We, we call it the Gallons effect uh, here yeah. in, in Ontario. Um, and, you know, uh, you go to his blog, his articles about whatever, Syria, North Korea, there's always a, a whole bunch of people come out of nowhere to like it. It's an international audience. Um, and I think, as you say, they recognize that he's doing the hard work looking at the whole political economy and everything um, of, of a particular situation. And it's so easy to get um, endorsements as a result. I think that... Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he's One of his secrets is his, he has a dispassion approach. He has a very rigorous, dispassionate approach, um, and but to, and he he goes through the mainstream sources to make his case. Um, and you know, you might even know of Sharmin Nawani, who is a, an important journalist and, and political and a Middle Eastern analyst of, of Middle East politics. And she she wrote this said, unlike so many hastily written books books on Syria that miss the point, Stephen Gowan's work will prove to be an essential primer on the Syrian conflict for years to come. And she says it's a must read. Uh, Vanessa Beely has said the same thing. Who well, I think we are people who follow Syria know who she is. Eva Bartlett as well has made a, a wonderful comment about it. So it, it's it's I think that. You see, he he sat down and said, "Well, where did this war come from?" And he, that's one of the things he 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 takes all apart. And he, it's it's by no means a, a book that's only pegged on what happened in, in Aleppo or you know what happened in 2011. Uh, although it, he goes right into each one of these questions, um, he, he he gives it perspective. Um, basically, he points out that. <clears throat> The United States and Wall Street, in particular, has wanted to has targeted countries with publicly owned economies, um, and they are, uh, in particular, in the Middle East, they are uh, what he, what is called, was known as the Arab nationalist movement, which is uh, started among other with 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 Nasser, um, and they were fiercely and are fiercely independent. And they they they've stuck to stuck to this independent 
independence. And so uh, progressively, the United States has basically tried to topple them all. Well, one can't help but notice the accuracy of Gowan's thesis, because um, if you look at this series of wars that we know under the rubric of this war on terror, I mean, most of the countries that they're going after, most of these regime change operations, if not all of them, are countries that have exhibited some degree of independence from the Washington consensus. Uh, So Yugoslavia was actually the first before 9-11, and uh, and then they finally... um, after that, we're able to go after Iraq, um, uh, change things in Afghanistan, uh, totally remove the government and cause absolute chaos in Libya, and then follow on Syria. And you, you see that, I mean, these are, are not countries that are considered uh, U.S. client states or U.S. allies or U.S. puppets. Those countries remain. If you're, you know, the king of Saudi Arabia, you get to stay in power, you know, despite rebellions against you and in, 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 in Bahrain and elsewhere. Um, all of the loyal, subservient Gulf monarchs uh, get to have powerful lobby organizations here and own newspapers in the United States and so on, and they get to have a a carte blanche to Mm. repress demonstrations using weapons that we have provided them, and by we I mean Canada and uh, the United States. But Mm -hmm. uh, Syria, Libya, and other countries have... uh, They've been uh, basically targets of very long-standing campaigns, and I think that's where Gowan's approach is very helpful. Yeah, the thing that that Stephen uh, Gowans has done, he has um, taken apart methodically all the arguments that are invoked to to justify the unjustifiable regime change. In other words, all the little arguments, all the 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 things that make people in in the left or people who are progressive, generally progressive minding, trip. And he just he just takes them apart very methodically, you know. For example, the the moderate rebel, um, he he just takes that apart completely. He he goes after the idea that, and which has come, I hear it on the radio in French and in English, regularly is that well, it started out as a popular movement, a popular uprising. He just says no, and he puts it. He explains it all, and he has all the references to it and so that you you go through there and say well how did how did i get tricked how did people get tricked you know uh, that's um that's the strength of his talks he doesn't talk down you know to people uh, it's it's it, it's i think it's it's excellent writing it's it's the kind of thing um and he he explains their history the relationship uh, in the colonial period the post colonial period he talks about the use of, of Islamic terrorists, but he makes a very clear distinction between what would be anti-imperialist um, Muslims, particularly Iran, and the ones who ally with the imperialists, um, running out basically out of Saudi Arabia, the royal dictatorships, as he calls them. And so it, it, it's... I, I think that it's going to be a book. It's a must-read for for people um, to to um, you understand the the whole world, the world situation um, relationship with Russia and before that with the Soviet Union. Um, and uh, so, anyway, I, I think it's an exciting book, and he's going to be launching it. Um, he's, he's, so far, is a four-city tour. Uh, first, he's, he's he's launching in Ottawa next Wednesday at Carlton, uh, Wednesday evening at uh, 7 p.m. Then he's going to be there in Hamilton. Now you know the details. Uh, Hamilton in 
uh, in a few weeks on the 25th. That's uh, right. It's going to be the uh, April 25th, uh, right here in Hamilton at 7 o'clock p.m. at the New Vision United Church, uh, which is familiar people uh, that went to the Eva Bartlett event. It's the same place, and it's at 7 o'clock p.m., so uh, 24 Main Street West, but you can find all the information for that launch in, in more than one place, I would first go to the Hamilton Coalition to Stop the War website. Um, that's yeah. actually at just what I said, Hamilton Coalition to Stop the War.ca or abbreviation HCSW.ca. And the very first item there is the uh, book launch, uh, Washington's Long War on Syria, and it has a poster for Hamilton specifically. There's a PDF that you can print out. Uh, for your, for if you want to send it to your friends or whatever, or um, there's uh, electronic information available there too at hcsw.ca. But I, I think uh, Baraka Books is also providing information about the. Yeah, two- we've announced. I mean, it's going to be in Ottawa. It's going to Ottawa, Hamilton, then Toronto on April 27th, and Montreal here on May the second. And um, it, it's um, you know, with, uh, just uh, Stephen made uh, introduced. Um, Eva Bartlett uh, in the Ottawa event when she was touring, and um, people were very impressed with his speech. So he, I think he does, makes it, you know, he makes an excellent presentation in addition to writing well. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, he has a lot of practice, thanks to the Taylor Report, unusual sources. You know, um, he's. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the the work that's in the book, we've seen hints of it elsewhere, um, from the reporting of Eva Bartlett and others to Gowan's own blog, where he addressed those issues that, as you said, the left, as such as it is, likes to trip on or stumble over. So they yeah. say, "Well, well, it was a peace started as peaceful protest, and they just wanted to get rid of neoliberalism, and and, and they dropped barrel bombs on the protesters or whatever." But you know. Actually, it was from the very beginning a sectarian protests. Which sure, were, exactly. And they, exactly. Were, and they were calling for the death of other Muslims, calling for uh, uh, pushing Alawites out, killing them, driving Christians to Beirut, and and so on. And that's all documented. Like, they put it on their Facebook. It was in, uh, you know, Gulf regime media. Mm-hmm. And and what Gowans has done, he says, look, let's, let's look at the newspaper reports from the Gulf or from the Western pr- uh, reporting and other sources, videos that were uploaded. Here's what was actually happening at the beginning. And, you yeah. know, we were fed this whole thing because that was part of a campaign to convince left-wing people or people who identify as left to support another NATO regime change operation. And, of course, right. most of the left did stumble over that. And uh, But now, I mean, there's been a sea change, and people are recognizing the work done by people that wanted to look at the hard questions, even at the risk of being shunned yeah. from the wine and cheese circuit. So uh, Gowans has uh, built up quite a following now, uh, along with others, and there's a whole sort of what you might call a, I don't know, a real anti-war movement emerging all over the place to uh, challenge all the propaganda that we've been exposed to. Uh, right. Now, uh, that's why I guess it was easy to get endorsements from uh, Eva Bartlett and others um, because uh, they recognize that work and, and, and have been doing... But, but the point is that there are, you know, I mean, um, uh, books are, 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 anyway, I'm publishing now because I, I realize the, the long-term importance of having... Um, solid books on on issues, um, and uh, books are, are are like this are made to last, and they're made to help people not make a mistake um, the next time around. Uh, you know, the for instance, everybody made a mistake on Libya. Uh, I mean, you know, everybody. Hopefully, we didn't. But you know, the 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 people voted 
in Canada, it was a United Party uh, um, vote in favor of bombing and, and regime change. Well, you know, this has got to stop sometime. And, and so when you have books such as this one, and remember Max Forte's book we published, um, Slouching Towards Cert, on, on Libya, um, these books are, are like, it's like putting a, drawing a line, say, well, this is, you know, this is what happened. So we can't do this again. And so, you know, that's, that's uh, I think his book is going to have that kind of effect. Well, Max um, Forte's book that you published um, is one of the reasons why we have people critically investigating what's happening in Syria. Because yeah. that book was popular and it, it had world attention. And people said, wait a minute, yeah, they lied that much and now they got some kind of operation in Syria. I better start looking into this myself, maybe write right. about it. And, and, you know, it's thanks to you and, and Max Forte and others that we have that. Uh, now, for those who are just tuning in, you're listening to Robin Philpot, a Montreal-based publisher with Baraka Books, who, of course, is uh, publishing the upcoming book by Stephen Gowans, which is called Washington's Long War on Syria. And uh, of course, it'll be here in Hamilton. And we're very excited um, about that. Now, uh, you know, in terms of the content and, and whether why books are important, I was talking um, about this with Stephen Gowans after a program once. And he, he said, you know, I just spent a lot of time writing a book. And do, he says, do people do this anymore? How much how, how important are books in this age of social media and, and all these other communications? And I and I said, well, of course, all of these new forms of communication are important, and they get information around very quickly, and people can argue with each other and so on. But ultimately, people's ideas, their thoughts, their comprehensive understanding of a subject comes from books. It, it comes from well-researched tomes in which someone has put together a you know, coherent account of what has happened using information that's verifiable so that you actually have an argument upon which to rest um, your thoughts, your views, and, and your words. And I think that Stephen Gowan's book is going to be another, it's going to be like that. It's going to be a foundation for discussion about Syria. Yeah, well, there's this great leftist <coughs> writer, Jacques Ferrand, uh, here uh, in Quebec. He died 20 years ago or so, 25 years ago, but he was... Um, um, a leftist. Uh, he was helped. I mean, he negotiated. Uh, he was man came helped settle some of the FLQ crises and stuff. He was a doctor, and he said, and I'll say it in French: "Le livre est le, le grand lieu de la contestation, et il le restera." In other words, the book is the venue for for contesting the status quo, and it will always be so. Um, and and I I do think that that's true because. Um, the modern ways of communication are are absolutely indispensable, but um, to help people um, make um, a qualitative change in their outlooks, sometimes, uh, you know, serious people want to have be seriously convinced. And so, you know, long articles, of course, are very important, but a book like this, and I think that Stephen, he's aware of the ephemeral nature of articles, so that's why he he um, he said his hardest part in writing this book was the first week uh, when he tried to figure out what he was uh, how he was going to do it. In other words, not to be just repeating what's in blogs and articles and so on. So uh, and once he understood that, he said it it it, it flowed very very well. And I you know I can say congratulations to the man. 
Yeah, no, he needed to identify important issues so that we don't get fooled again. Um, and, and that's the, really the value of this book, and, and, and even in terms of monetary value, because I know that he's assembled footnotes and, and, and evidence documenting every aspect of his argument. So yeah. you know, when you use his book to, to explain a point to someone or to show why uh, you, you're you know, taking action and activism on, on a topic, um, you can uh, get references for all the material that he's painstakingly yeah. collected. It. And it's not presented in an ugly way throughout the format of the text. I mean, you no, just... uh, One of the things that we try and do at, at uh, Baraka, with the books, is make it so that people can sit down and read without getting uh, tripping over footnotes and losing the, 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 the train of thought. So we put the footnotes in a way that you want more information, you want to get background, you want to see if he's, he's backed himself up. Yes, he's got that. But it's not going to make you... Um, you're going to be able to sit down and enjoy reading it, you know. So that that's one of, and he's got a good bibliography in it as well. So it's it's an, you know, all I can do, <laughs> I'm just a salesman, I guess, but but um, uh, is suggest that people get it and uh, and, and mull on the, on the ideas that he he demands he um, he presents in it. Well, how do people get the book itself? Well, the first thing they can go to your launch, uh, or where if they're one of the four cities. If your listeners are there in Hamilton, go to the Hamilton launch. You can buy it on site on our website, um, and if you buy it, we have it now in stock. So if they buy it on the website now, barracabooks dot com, uh, it'll be mailed out immediately. So uh, in other words, you can get it there. Um, well, you want to be the first on the block to get that. I know people that are emailing me about it already. They're, they're waiting. Oh, good, good. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, anyway, you know, it's it's. Uh, but the other thing is going here, uh, even talk uh, at your launch, you know, and uh, um, the, or at, uh, wherever he, in Toronto as well. So. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the benefits of the fact that we live in this age of credentialism, where everyone has to go to college and university, is that you know people expect footnotes, they expect references, they expect research having been done on a topic. So when Gowans uh, introduces himself into a controversial uh, subject area like this. He, he has the backing and, and the research, and it's actually, it also shows the obsolescence of a lot of corporate media because they just present you information without citations. And, you know, yeah. U.S. <laughs> officials said that blah, blah, blah happened. But, uh, One of the things we try and avoid, and as publisher I try and avoid, is, is make it not an academic book. Because, you know, academic books are not made to be read. They're made to be cited. So this is a book that's made to be read. And, and, and I mean... With all the the necessary backing and and um, and uh, footnotes, we have them, but it is meant to be read. And and you know, if somebody comes along with just a bunch of footnotes and wants to be cited, we don't publish it. It's got to be it's got to be a read. You know, like a, something you, you enjoy reading. It's not a, like a, like you know, telling a story accurately or you know, it's that that's that's what people like and it's to be able to sit down and and. Um, enjoy uh, understanding a subject, you know, if we're talking about nonfiction. So. <laughs> I can't ask for a higher endorsement than that. Uh, but before we go, um, I just noticed I was um, checking out Ann Garrison's blog uh, just mm-hmm. <laughs> this morning, actually, and I saw that she actually interviewed you, um, and, and it was about um, one of your expertise um, areas, I suppose, and that is the... Um, 
uh, events in uh, Rwanda and the Great Lakes region in Africa. Mm. Um, and in this case, um, uh, Anne wrote an article, I think it was also for Black Agenda Report. Uh, it was called Israel's African Darling. Paul can yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, Well, it, 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 Anne called me to do that interview because um, it's another book, but it was my book, and it was published by Baraka, called Rwanda and the New Scramble for Africa from Tragedy to useful imperial fiction, and in it, in it, um, she wanted me to to discuss something that we pointed out in that book was that ninety four was when there was this taking when the RPF took power and there was all the killings. Ninety five, the Holocaust Memorial from Washington people and the Simon Wiesenthal people went to a conference in Kigali in, in Rwanda in order to, uh, basically, that was when they started saying, well, you can use the word genocide as well in Rwanda. In other words, because because Israel and the Zionists have been very um, jealously protecting that that use of that word, because, they, for instance, they won't allow it for the Armenians because they're for political reasons, nor will they allow it, or do they like to hear it when you talk about indigenous peoples in Latin America, for instance, in Paraguay in particular. So they don't like it, but here they decide to share it. So that was one incident. And the second, this is the reason she wanted to talk about it was because Paul Kagame was invited to be the first African head of state to address the APAC. It's the American-Israeli... Um, Public Affairs Committee, I think? Public Affairs Committee, very powerful, uh, based in Washington, D.C. And Kagame, Paul Kagame, the president of who's held power there basically for 22 years, um, was was invited. And so the other event in that period in the 90s, 90, um, that was in 95 when they had that conference, and they they were went there to teach the Rwandans how to memorialize uh, the deaths. And, and then a year later, Kagame went to Israel in October 96. And um, this was just two weeks before um, Rwanda invaded the Congo, then it was called Zaire, and began this massive killing and, and removal of regime change in, in the Congo with American and British support. And um, there was, he, went there, he went to Israel and met with Prime Minister Netanyahu, who was president, Prime Minister then, too, in '96. So there's a longstanding alliance, and um, so uh, Anne wanted to talk about that, and also I think we I tried to point out that the this alliance began basically at the end of the 80s when the Americans and uh, 80s and about up to 1990 when Americans decided to identify what they called new African leaders, uh, Museveni in in Uganda and Kagame eventually in uh, Rwanda, uh, and was a way of uh, containing uh, the Sudan. Canadian, one of the goals of the Americans and Israelis is to weaken Arab states. Um, and so they wanted to uh, build up this, uh, what you almost call mad dog regimes in, um, in Central Africa. And uh, they've been basically holding sway. I mean, Museveni's in power, been there for three decades now. He, he, he fought to power, took over, and rules with a iron fist since um, 1986, and Kagame as well. And uh, so that 
this is a long-standing alliance um, and very similar in the way they operate. They're highly militarized governments, Rwanda and Israel. Um, they lay down the law in the area, and they protect U.S. interests in, in the areas, uh, whether it be Central Africa uh, or uh, or in the Middle East. Well, I well, mean, that was about the interview was about. Yeah, Rwanda has been called the Israel of Africa. Uh, well, they like that. They like to call themselves that. Yeah, I mean, Israel sure knows how to pick its friends in Africa. First, it was apartheid regime in in South Africa, and now it's right. Kagame's dictatorship. And R- Rwanda was the only African government to support invasion of Iraq, and it also supported the invasion of Libya. Um, Whereas even you, even Uganda uh, held off in uh, supporting the Libyan invasion. That's so, what it means to be a good U.S. client. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, you sure know your stuff on this. I encourage people to check out the interview between Ann Garrison and our guest Robin Philpot, which is available on Black Agenda Report and also Ann Garrison's blog. So we got to sign out, of course. But Baraka Books—that's at barakabooks.com, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so they can order the book, but of course they should actually just go to the Gowans talk in Hamilton on April 25th and the other talks which are listed on the Baraka Books website. So uh, thanks very much for your time. We'll get this out to our listeners as soon as we can via podcast. Um, I know we're, there's going to be a lot of promotion of Gowan's book because there's a lot of fans all over Canada and there's going to be uh, all sorts of ads, posters, um, interviews and stuff like that. So uh, thanks very much again for being on the program today with us, Robin. Okay, thanks for calling, Brendan. Thank you. Talk okay. to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was uh, Robin Philpot, a Montreal-based publisher over at Baraka Books. We've talked with Robin about a few books like um, Max Forte's book about Libya. And, of course, that, was, that would have been Slouching Towards Cert. And uh, now there's a book about Syria. And I'm sure you're all interested. So check that out.